Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Frankie Val on the potable aqua and Be- beans. What's that? <laughs> My water purification tablets are down here. I have so much clutter. I have to. I can't wait. I can. We're, we're getting there. Two and a half, three weeks, at least some sense will be made. I thought it was this weekend that you got to de- declutter. Uh, this weekend I have carpets. I'll be here for carpets on Saturday um, and, uh, and and a lot of other things. But next week is still, we're moving down to lower floors and other little tiny things. A lot of painting, a lot of crap like that. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yay, we get to see Frank in the nude from the neck up today. Do we? Listen, that is one hella good shaved head. Well, what do you, listen, you know, you, you need a good shaped head to pull it off sometimes. Some people have these but monstrous pebble heads. Even your eyebrows are like perfectly shaped today. They're like, really? Thank yes. you so much. You're doing it. You're doing it. Thank you. I, I, I mean, I just, I just woke up and I just do a little like this and. I'm ready to I'm ready to 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 be on the, the cover of GQ. <laughs> All right. Where I belong. So the other day I was we have Jeff Landry on in the second half of the show today. Fantastic. This dude, we'll get into it a little bit before I play the interview. I love him. I was just I love him. He's amazing. If you live in Louisiana, he's running for governor. Look into him, do your due diligence, but I would slam a vote down for that man any day of the week personally. Um However, before we get into that, a little culture. I saw this on Citizen Free Press um, the other day, on Thursday, and I I, I marked it for, t- for today anyway. But now that I know the story, I have to play it. And I'm going to play this song in its, in its entirety because it's that good and it's worth listening to. There are, like, as a singer, sometimes you hear music and you're like, yeah, that's a good song. Sometimes you hear music and you know that it's coming from a place inside somebody that you can't teach it's yes and that's what makes it good i was listening to that i was i was re-listening i I mean it's a it's a song that no maybe less than one percent of this audience would care about because it's so heavy and it's so tortured but so that's why it it goes all over the place i was listening to a a song like that before the show yesterday that was i hadn't listened to in a long time and it's you feel it oh yeah it's tortured but it was it was great go ahead this is it this is um oliver anthony and we're gonna play his song now i've been selling my soul working all day overtime hours for bullshit pay so i can sit out here and waste my life away drag back home and drown my troubles away it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men know the rich men. Cause the rich man, don't the rich man 
politicians look out for miners and not just miners on an island somewhere lord we got folks in the street ain't got nothing to eat and the whole beast milk and welfare Keep on kicking them down Lord, it's a damn shame What the world's gotten to For people like me People like you Wish I could just wake up And it not be true But it is Cause your dollar ain't shit And it's taxed to no end Cause the rich men North the rich men I've been selling my soul Working all day Overtime hours for bullshit pay. There you go, full of soul. Hard, right? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's is it is it a positive song? No, he's emoting. It's there's a there's a tortured truth in there, and I, I uh, that's that's what people need uh, a lot more of. You well, uh, it went viral. 1.1 million views in two days. Touches everybody, left, right, center. Doesn't matter, right? It's just, just the plight. And then this morning, I saw this thread from Jason Howerton. Jason Howerton is apparently a dude. He says he made millions and felt nothing. He's on a mission to create a network of strong, present fathers big enough to change the world. That's what he says in his Twitter profile. He says, this song is called Rich Men North of Richmond. It has been viewed millions of times. The artist's name is Oliver Anthony. I just got off the phone with him. With his permission, I'd like to share the story he told me that moved the deepest parts of my soul. In the past, Oliver was struggling with mental health and coping with alcohol. In the depths of despair, just about a month ago, Oliver got to his knees and broke down in tears. Though he wasn't a religious man, that night he promised God to get sober if it helped him follow his dream. Oliver was about 30 days sober when someone reached out and asked him to come record a song for his YouTube channel. That song was Rich Men North of Richmond. Within days, the song was going viral on social media. As Oliver told me the story, the hair on my back, the back of my neck stood up. Goosebumps covered my body. Here's a man who broke down and surrendered everything to God. And within 30 days, he became an overnight sensation with an offer from John Rich to produce his record. When I offered to cover the cost for Oliver to produce a record, I had no idea what would transpire, nor did I know just how powerful his story was or the situation that God was inserting me into. I just wanted to help. This is how we're going to change culture and the country. Conclusion, I'm excited to announce Oliver Anthony has just joined Twitter. His official account, which will soon be verified, is Ain't Gotta Dollar. That's two T's in gotta. You're going to want to give him a follow. He's a songwriter, a father, and a genuinely good human being. I'm blessed to know him. Good on him. I mean, you could feel it 
in that you could feel nobody listens to that and doesn't mm, feel it somewhere in their soul. Yeah, Amazing. you can tell when the emotion is real and uh, and not not drawn up in a boardroom. Yeah, for sure. This was then again. Then again, it's I. There's just so everything is just so sterile. Um, it 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 stands out easily. Yeah, real, real yeah. stuff stands out. No, agreed. When you hear something real these days, like real music, it certainly does stand out. It's so, it's so produced. Everything's so produced. Um, and simple too. You know, we struggle with that. Uh, uh, in in my all of our bands that we've had over the years, me and my brother, um, it, it's very hard to get through to other band members that you're with to, especially in heavy metal and stuff like that to go simple and i i it heard it was actually last year up at the the cabin in the adirondacks that we go to anthony brought his acoustic guitar up and aurora's you know she's one she just just turned two and he is just in the the great room by the fireplace and he's just very like almost not like rockabilly but very simplistic chord progression very simplistic melody and just she got hooked in and i said i said listen i know she's two years old but you gotta understand this is this is what people really grab you mega hits this is what people really gravitate toward uh, the, you know, there are a lot of a lot of artists out there that are in that mindset of it's not technical enough i'm not showing i'm not showing people the world what i've i can really do and you, you you tend when you when you go and follow that rabbit hole, you tend to leave out the the core piece of what uh, what really what really strikes people, and that is that simplicity, that emotion, and um, and I think that's that's really what's at the the heart of of the song that you just played there too. It's very you have to you have to get simple with it and not complicate it too much and. And it'll find an audience. A big one, apparently. The the best times we ever had at Extravaganza were sitting downstairs under the under the the parking awning with someone strumming their damn guitar and just people just singing along. It was I mean, it's just it is what it is. It's great. Um, moving to political stuff. This is something that I say all the time. Citizen Free Press shared this. If you guys don't know Citizen Free Press, you're missing out. Go to citizenfreepress.com. They're a fantastic aggregator. You can't go wrong. Amazing, amazing. That's where I saw the song, just to let everyone know. Um, he has this clip he's playing. They're overseas somewhere. I guess they're in, I don't know. I, I don't know where they are, but it's a parade for uh, refugees. It's a pro-refugee parade. Everyone's got their refugees are welcome signs. And this happens every single time, but I wanted to play this for everybody. Just wondering if you'd like to go down on a list saying you're willing to take the refugees into your home. Of course not. Uh, only problem is I rent. Just because you've got that refugee as well, yeah. I'm just wondering if you'd like to go on a list of people that's willing to actually uh, adopt a refugee and take them into your home. Well, if I had any space, I if would. If you had but any yeah, space. It would be <laughs> right. Yep. Willing to accept a refugee, like adopt one into your home. Um, I live in a rental place, so I can't. Rental? Yeah, yeah. You can't do it. Yeah, yeah. Someone else's job. Yeah. Yeah, all right, thank you. Is she willing to adopt a refugee and take him into your home? No, I'm sorry, I can't. You can't, can't take I one? Can't. I don't have, I don't have, I don't, don't have, a, I don't have a space. don't have the space. I, I, you have a refugee stay at your house? Yeah, I don't mind. You're going on the list? 
I don't mind, yeah, 100, give me the pink. Oh wait, I can't, because my house is only a little small. And Amazing, that's what I was oh, waiting for. Thank you, darling. Would you be willing to have a refugee in your own? Uh, yes, if I had room. If you had room, it's funny, that. Yeah. Love, will you go on my list of people that's willing to adopt a refugee? No, thank you. No, thank you. Excuse me, would you be willing to adopt a refugee into your home? Uh, no. No. Would you adopt a refugee into your home? Uh, no, thank you. No? No. So where should we put them then? Thanks. Yeah, where should we put them? That's a little bit too much. Uh, too much. Yeah. Exactly. I'm a, I'm Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Would you be willing to go on the list of people that's willing to adopt a refugee into their home? Um, so I'm in a tenant flat, one bed. So okay. Adopt yeah. a refugee? Um, I would be willing, yeah, if I had the space. Yeah. If I had well, the in space. A, in a perfect world, in a perfect world, mate. I don't know, I don't know, I don't They've all got their signs saying refugees welcome, but nobody's willing to take them. <laughs> it's just it, it, the, the most vapid, shallow, remote-controlled people you could ever think of. They stand for nothing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you know what it is. It's just about being real, and this need to look good and avoid looking bad that brings you to the to the brink of oblivion, and and, and in many cases, uh, uh, urges you to just base jump without a parachute because you just want to look good. You just want to look good, and and, and you defy all logic. And when it comes down to it, it's so empty. I mean, listen, we're, we're all, and you know why this is, everybody out there is of the mindset that if you're not out there saying these things, you don't actually care about the quality of human life. Yeah. When it's obvious that it's not the case, but common sense would dictate that what is happening right now is not good for anybody. The native, the, uh, the, the, the host country, or the migrants. It's not good for anybody anywhere in the world. And it's just a play that people are just compelled to act out. It's it's pathetic. It's 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 the it's the state of everything right now, honestly. It really is. Anyone with a Ukraine flag or an LGBTQIA plus plus C Z C Y P flag or anything like that. It's the same thing with everyone. Ask them if they're willing to do what they're advocating they force upon everyone else, and this is the answers you get. And what, is I, what does I rent even mean? Does I, that mean that, you, uh, it, uh, well, uh, obviously, if you rent a a studio apartment where it's, you, you rent a studio where it's literally one room and you have a shared bathroom and there's a, a literally no place to put anybody, that's one thing. But Well, then what, you shouldn't be out on the street advocating for refugees to come in if, if you're in a situation that you can't even a afford a two bedroom or, or b like if you're renting clearly there you know what i'm saying like just i don't know anybody who rents a at least one bedroom apartment that is if they got into a relationship with somebody they weren't able to have, bring somebody in now you don't have to tell your landlord oh i'm, I'm housing an international refugee I'm housing an asylum seeker. You could just be, I, I, I don't know. If you I were rent. that committed to the cause, Frank, you would do it in a heartbeat. These people have no principle whatsoever. No, Literally I mean, listen, zero. They don't even know who funds these movements. They, they, they have no idea who's actually printing these placards. 
that they are holding up there as they're demonstrating. They have no clue where the money goes back to. Just like all those climate change idiots in places like the UK, when they're confronted about the very oil companies and energy companies and NGOs that are all that are all actually, uh, you know, through several buffers mm-hmm. promoting this stuff. And they, they're like, uh, they when they realize, you know, many of them actually just get quiet. Some actually walk away. But they're all dumb. They're all they're all very dumb. They're abused children, and that's it. Unbelievable. Well, I have a whole bunch of clips and timestamps set up from this hearing yesterday. Um, the yesterday in the Missouri v. Biden case, they were in front of a three judge panel at the Court of Appeals in the Fifth Circuit, and they were arguing. The government was there arguing why they should uphold the censor or why they should deny the censorship um the temporary injunction that bars the government from censoring americans and the missouri and louisiana and private plaintiffs attorneys were all there arguing why they should uphold that injunction and 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 let it continue and so the hearing is recorded i listened to it live i was live tweeting throughout it but i have you know several clips that i think would be very poignant and think people will get an idea of where this hearing was going some of the things these judges said, I, I, I was I was shocked, which is a good thing. Um, and the government attorney was just terrible, like really bad. Now, it's an MP3, so you're going to see a black screen while we listen to these clips. But we're going to listen to these and then go right into the interview with Jeff Landry and then see if we can close it up nice and tight. Frank, I'm super interested in your opinion on some of this. It's On this coming up? Yeah, what we're going to play. It's super, it's it's oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. That was a good one, huh? Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> yes. Okay, go ahead. All right. 2023-30445, State of Missouri et al. versus Joseph R. Biden Jr. et al. Mr. Tenney, you may proceed. This is the government attorney. Thank you please the court. Plaintiffs would be entitled to a preliminary injunction in this case if they could demonstrate that a threat directed at conduct by social media companies causing them irreparable injury. Uh, They have not made any such showing despite months of discovery. So just to start, that wasn't even a complete sentence he just uttered. Wasn't even a complete sentence. He, he, he's reading. He doesn't even know the case. Here we go. The court nonetheless entered a preliminary injunction, and that was erroneous for several reasons. The district court exceeded the bounds of a concrete case or controversy under Article Three and impugned government, con- government discussion of issues of public concern. The court's injunction cannot be reconciled with principles of equity and cannot be reconciled with the requirements of Rule 65 of specificity. To give just a few examples, plaintiffs have urged, for example, that if there were a natural disaster and there were untrue statements circulating on social media that were damaging to the public interest, the government would be powerless under the injunction to discourage social media companies from further disseminating those incorrect statements. To take another example, plaintiffs urge that if in the course of a law enforcement investigation, a government official were to conclude that it was likely, although not certain, 
that posts on social media were part of a criminal conspiracy, for example, regarding human trafficking. I'm stopping it real quick. Isn't it interesting they choose human trafficking when all they ever do is spend their time trying to tell us that's a QAnon conspiracy theory? Well, yeah, well, it's it's obvious that um, that they want to be able to. Oh, again, it's it's a a tactic to hold people to the standards that they don't have, and they will take out uh, Christian morality and our duty to one thing or another, or the blight and horror of human trafficking, how it needs to be addressed when they want to hold people that are in opposition to whatever the cause du jour is. They want to hold them to the fire and get them in line uh, to, to to support their arguments. So that's that, this that this is all just psychological play from whatever this green behind the ears loser. I mean, this is is he is he is he just out of training camp or something? I, I what, mean, the fact that this is who they sent. It's a little weird to me. It really is. It's almost like they're surrendering. Like, why? You might as well have sent a, a summer camp child. He was the only one there. Nobody Who's else. Who's closest? Who's closest? Who's who? Yeah, exactly. Here. That the government official would be powerless to bring those posts to the social media company's attention. These are just some examples. So you do not believe that either of those. Because the government, but, but, because Tracy, the government is the only, the only entity, the federal government is the only entity that would have the interest in digging into things like that, like noticing things like this and taking part in any kind of response to very big and important events that may be dangerous, ongoing criminal operations. That's it. There are no local, state, regional law enforcement or investigative 100%. bodies out there. Citizens, obviously, they're, they're, citizens are just... We're just zombies. Yeah. Oh, we're we we're just completely out of it. We who are we if not for the eye of Sauron in D.C. looking out for our interests all across the Shire? The, it's just it, it's ridiculous. The judge interrupts him already at two minutes. Here we go. Be powerless to bring those posts to the social media company's attention. She's about to. These speak. are just some examples. So you do not believe that either of those are covered by the exception or exclusion specifically contained in the in, in the injunction well those examples would not be covered by either by any of the exclusions we, that that goes to the rule 65 problem your honor your honor we we don't know whether they are the plaintiffs have argued that they're not so at best that where have they done that that, that said your hypos would not be covered um I believe in the stay opposition, and I think also in their brief. Um, mm -mm. I mean, they say that what the government can't do is discourage, you know, the, the posting on social media. Tell me you've never even read the record, but without tell. I would love, I would love that. Like after the the judge asked this question, uh, you hear. You hear that he like he fumbled into his jacket pocket and pulled out some sort of a, of an inhaler, and just like some kind of <laughs> some kind of med like he just medicates himself with it. I would love it if he were just inhaling medication. Of some, he's like some the sort. he's like the DA who argues in the or the defense attorney. I'm sorry, the the court appointed defense attorney in my cousin Vinny who stutters. That's what it reminds the, me of. The, the, the jury. <laughs> 
Here, we're going to skip ahead. So if the, if the government, by the government, I mean high-level officials at various agencies and in the administration were um, asking social media people in a coercive manner so, um, to, to, send, to, to propagate certain things that the government knew were untrue and to de-amplify certain things that it knew were, was true or didn't know for sure one way or the other, but didn't fit its message, would that be able to be enjoined? Like we think of the, there's a lot of COVID uh, information in this record about COVID, for example. What the judge is saying is, if the, if the government's knowingly lying to the social media companies and to everyone about what the truth is, and coercing them to remove things that, that they know are true, but don't fit with their narrative, is that enjoined by this temporary injunction? Is lying covered by this? Is what she's yeah. asking the attorney. Yeah, I love, I love, and I love the the other um, the other situation that spawns from that one is that are we to say that the government, the government is the sole arbiter of whether or not we have permission to call them out for lying? Like, uh, is the is the government is the government, especially if they stand firm on an erroneous, intentionally erroneous, you know, position on any public matter or any kind of current event issue or anything like that are we to wait around until the government says okay you can call us out for lying if you want yeah you know, we're this may not be true yeah it's it's isn't that crazy like, like like when are we when are we allowed to say i think you're lying and have them say that is malinformation young citizen and I think that you have lost your privilege to speak. What when like what about that very basic relationship? That that situation. That's what we're talking about right now. Regardless if we are right, if we read into something wrong, if the government or any kind of government official is actually correct on any issue, or if they're incorrect, we have the ability to be right or wrong about anything. That's the whole point here. It, but it, um well, they go into that in detail. A lot of people in the chat are asking if I can raise the volume. Unfortunately, this is how the court recorded it, and it's the only recording that's available right now. So I can't. I'm just going to scroll ahead. It's harder for me to do it that way, so I'm not going to. I'm going to go back here. Um, here. Here she continues, and then I have to skip to 10. There's two more clips that we must, absolutely must. We have about 15 minutes before I have to play the interview. But this is important stuff, so I want to play so you guys get a flavor of what the judges were saying. Unfortunately, I can't help the volume. Um, if I understood the question correctly, one of the premises of the question was that the government was doing it in a coercive manner. And I think if, if the government was doing something like that in a coercive manner, then that could be the subject of a proper injunction. The problem is that what you would have to do is say, here is what the government is doing that's coercive, and I'm enjoining that. How do, and the, how do you define coercive? Um, I mean, coercive, I mean, I, I don't think there's too much disagreement on this point, that coercive is where a reasonable person would construe it to be backed by a threat of government action against the party if it didn't comply. I mean, that's sort of how the district court described it. The district court went on to talk about significant encouragement, and we have then, going on other subjects. So there's that problem. But then even then, that, why haven't you? There was this. That, Hold on. When the government, when the president. Bear with me. Why haven't you? 
It doesn't let me scroll the way I want. Here we go. When the government, when the president or representatives of the president or federal agencies come out and say things, they say, here's what we think is true and here's what we think is not true. Or here's what we think is a good course of conduct and here's what we think is a not good course of conduct. Yes, that might influence people. People might want to get on the president's good side or people might want just to find- Here it comes. The way you say it is very, you know, we're going to sit down and have a meeting or we'll pass out some document. But what appears to be in the record are these irate messages uh, from time to time from high-ranking government officials that say, you didn't do this yet. And and that's my uh, toning down the language. Uh, You didn't do this yet. Why haven't you done this yet? And so it's like jump and how high. so there are some examples like that in the record. So it's not like we think this would be a good public policy and we want to explain to you why that would be a good policy. There seems to be some very close working relationship that they're having these, this isn't being done fast enough, you know, like it's a supervisor complaining about a worker. Do you have any comment on that? I have several comments on that, Your Honor. Um, Go ahead, Frank. You had something to say. Oh, no, that is going well. It's going very well. Here we go. It's, you know, I have several comments about that. Um, well, it, <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. I, I, I'm waiting for him to just to just like completely brain fart and just say like, I, I mean, what? what, what uh, the next come on. the next clip of this particular judge is going to you're going to love it. But I want you to hear his whatever you want to call this comment both directly on the on the materials that you're talking about and also about their which relation- are in the record this is not the extra record no i i understand i understand I, i'm sorry to interrupt i understand no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. i understand what you're saying I, i'm talking about the record too and i also want to talk i also want to put them in the context of this case so i hope i have an opportunity to do both. somebody one of the male judges asked him previous to this whether or not the court is allowed to take judicial notice of what Jim Jordan and the Weaponization Committee put on the record in this appeal, which was the emails from Facebook saying, we really don't want to do this, but we have to because the government's threatening us in plain English. And this attorney attempts to say, well, you you don't know if it's true or not. And the, the judges are like, that's a congressional committee that released emails. Like they basically say, are we allowed to take, like when they ask, are we allowed? They're not asking him permission. They're asking for him to tell them why it's improper for them to take notice of the absolutely damning materials that were included. And this attorney goes back and forth saying, well, that's not in this case. You know, that's never been in front of the district court judge. That's never been in front of this person. It, it's something else to behold. Here we go. Please do. Both, both talking directly. There was a back and forth. Sometimes it was more friendly. Sometimes people got more testy. Um, there there were circumstances testy? in which um, the everyone saw eye to eye there were circumstances in which they disagreed um you know you wouldn't if you were if you were saying we're going to do this you know if you don't do this we're going to impose some penalty some government regulation or sanction on you that's not the way you would go about it you wouldn't say i'm really mad you would just say do this or else and the or else would be clear there's no indication in this record of what the or else is what are they going to do and then the other point i would wait a second wait a second how are you even going to say well i guess there's no other places to go to say well listen of course we were leaning heavily 
heavily <laughs> on top of people in social media to silence people and take this down, whatever. But for it to be official coercement, you'd have to tell us exactly what the uh, the consequences would have been if you would have to uh, if you were to defy which, us, which is blatantly unconstitutional. So I, I mean, why would they I write mean, it down? Like that's the arguments. That's the government's defense. We didn't say. It, yeah, it's just like show us what the consequences would have been. What are you talking? The, the the consequences are implied. Yes. You are the chief central authority in the country from a federal standpoint. You have you have the you are the highest concentration of lethal force and legal force mm -hmm. in the country, and you are coming to the doorstep of major communications companies, and you are saying take this down, and why haven't you taken it down already? The consequences are implied, and he says, well, we need specific consequences or <laughs> else it's not coercement. This is where the judge really just sang to me. Here we go. The long going, ongoing relationship. If you're having this really long relationship, can't the district court find and make a finding, a, you know, a factual finding that this is enough? Um, because, you know, you think about and I'm certainly not equating the federal government to this, but this is an analogy, certainly a, probably an inapt analogy, so if you'll excuse me. Like if somebody is in the, you know, in these movies that we see with the mob or something, they don't say and spell out things, but they have these ongoing relationships and they never actually say, go do this uh, or else you're going to have this consequence. But everybody just knows because they have, and I'm certainly not equating the federal government with anybody in illegal organized crime, but I just- Why not? <laughs> Why not? She uses the example of organized crime to demonstrate exactly what the government's doing. And she knew what she was doing. It was, it was brilliant, so perfect. Um, and it just his answer. I don't know if you want to hear his answer. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I like this is this has been fun listening to him make a fool of himself. Yeah, just, there are certain relationships that people know things without always saying the or else, and that are familiar enough. Your, Your Honor, our position is not that the government has to say the or else explicitly. That's not our position, and that's not true. Everybody agrees on that. But there ha it has to be there in the background, and nobody has identified what the or else is with two exceptions what a, what a, that I want to This discuss. is so weak. One is amendments to Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, and the other is some, some reference to antitrust law. Uh, it, it's it's incredible that to me if, that, it, it, at least if this guy is representing the interest of the government, that the government's official position now is, yes, of course we are inappropriately trying to influence and use our power to influence the way that major communications companies are censoring americans but unless you tell us what the consequences would have been then this is all That's just hearsay happened. it's not it, you've already admitted that you're doing things you have an operation set up that should not exist the fact that consequences is the only thing that they have to hyperfixate on at this juncture is is it's really 
is really amazing. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Here, wait. Um, They're somehow times the 20 minutes. Or and then we're going to listen, or not. then we're going to listen to the other side and you're going to see the difference immediately. Harmful. That doesn't mean they were turning over the reins to the government. They were asking the government for information. And now, as your honor says, maybe sometimes the government is wrong. And what maybe if it's the- lying? Does it matter if it's wrong or lying between the two? Like if the government knows secretly that certain things do have health consequences or don't have health consequences, but doesn't want that to be the message, and just hypothetically, and so then says the opposite um, to the social media with the idea to propagate that message. I, I mean, that's Would a very- that be, Does that matter whether they're lying or wrong to, between the two? Or not really. That's a very different claim than a claim that it's coercive, that they're somehow, you know, taking over the will of the social media company. Isn't that a claim in this case? Am I wrong? I thought, and I'm not, I'm not opining on what the truth of the matter is. Please don't misunderstand me. But I thought the claim in the case is, for example, and I think the part of the that Great Barrington Declaration is part of this case. Is that right? Yeah. That, and that these scientists were not saying the wrong thing. And the, uh, the scientists at the government, the allegation is new that they weren't saying the wrong thing, but that they wanted to suppress that because it wouldn't be good for their other scientific message. I am not agreeing with that or disagreeing with that. That, but that's one of the allegations. And we're going to give you more time because we haven't even talked about standing yet. Basically, can the government just lie because it doesn't want people to know the truth that is actually in existence and then censor the people telling the truth, whether they're right or wrong? Like, he's at, she's asking this very philosophical question because she knows the government's effing lying, telling the social media companies propagate this lie or else, and the American people have the truth in many cases, and they can't share their truth so is it okay for the U.S. government to just have full control to lie to the American people 24 hours a day, seven days a week because they're the government is the question, really. The, and I, another thing that's on display right here is an old, philosophical, very, very solid philosophy. We get into Stoicism, the Stoic versus the Sophist. Uh, this is why in a classical sense, to say that somebody is so sophisticated is actually not a compliment. And uh, in, in the Stoics, they looked at somebody like this this uh, child that they sent to represent the government's interest in this case. That This is a very sophisticated person who has so many, he's trying to complicate something and, you know, the, complicate something. The midwit, the midwit that comes into a conversation and is trying to make something that is so simple and so basic into something that is, I don't know, uh, just just complicated, complicated and yep. more convoluted and uh, specialized in a way that it's it's not necessary. And under basic questioning, you get to you start seeing just how much of their worldview is just fluff to cover up what is at the center of it, Which a very bullshit. small, compact nugget of truth. Mm-hmm. And this is a an example in a legal setting right here of the Stoic, the judge, and the Sophist, the, um, the child who's been sent to represent the government who has actually no legal basis for anything except this heaping mound of bullshit. 
the, this heaping mound of bullshit. What you're about to hear is how a skilled attorney argues an appeal in front of the Fifth Circuit or any other appellate circuit. It sounds like he's going a mile a minute, but he got more into this record for them than anybody else. Here is John Sauer, and we'll play a little bit of his opening, which is brilliant, and then we'll go into the interview with um, Attorney General Landry. Before we do that, I just have to let everyone know, we had absolutely ridiculous technical difficulties with this interview. He was doubling up. It happened a little bit in the beginning, and then it kind of went away, and then it started happening more, and I was forced to sadly stop the interview in the middle. We had to go through five or six different ways to connect to one another. Finally, I ended up just calling him on the phone via the computer and doing the interview that way. So bear with that, please. He only had a short window of time. It was really stressful. We figured it out. You'll like his answers when we talk about it, but just understand that you're going to hear some double talking. Um, you can still understand what's being said. It's just a little uncomfortable. But here's John Sauer. Here we go. Um, play. Why is it muted? There we go. Come on. Present. Will you acknowledge that the government is still in regular contact? Hold on. With what to do about it. Here we go. The president supports a probably didn't get the court invited states. The court Come on. Here we go. Okay. You may proceed. Thank you, Your Honor, and may it please the court, John Sauer of Louisiana, uh, on behalf of all the plaintiffs' appellees, and then my colleague from Missouri, Mr. Devine, I think will address the court for five minutes after I do. Uh, I want to start by asking the court to imagine a scenario where senior White House staffers contact the book publishers, you know, Amazon, uh, Borders, Barnes & Noble in the United States, and they tell them, we want to have a book burning program, and we want to help you implement this book burning program. We want to identify for you the books that we want burned, and by the way, the books that we want burned are the books that criticize the administration and its policies. And suppose they said, we want to be partners in this book burning effort, and when they get, didn't get the cooperation they wanted, for example, one time they said, hey, here's 12 authors we want you to pull off the shelves and burn. These are the really bad ones. you got to burn those books. And the booksellers probably said, well, we don't really want to do that. Then two days later, the White House press secretary was at the podium and said, these booksellers need to burn more books. And the president supports a robust antitrust program to go after them. So they need to do more to go after these books. And later they started sending emails that contained implied threatening communications like, oh, you haven't burned enough books. You haven't let us help you identify the books we want you to burn and therefore internally we're considering our options about what to do about it and when they lose their temper they use the f-bomb against the booksellers and then all of a sudden in the middle of july of 2021 there is a one two three public punch where the white house press secretary and the surgeon general stand at the podium and they say these books are poison and we are going to hold you accountable a word that the district court expressly found carries with it the threat of consequences for letting these books be on your shelves and then a few days later the white house communications secretary also goes public and she says we're just exploring legal liability against you because you haven't burned enough books and we're looking at a, a, at re repealing a, a a piece of legislation that gives you a huge subsidy worth billions of dollars if you don't burn more books and then suppose all the booksellers decided the game wasn't worth a candle and they started complying and that's exactly what you see here in the record here in july of 2021 his colloquy that he starts with is worth a listen by everybody I think I'm going to do a, a separate live stream and just go through this entire hearing. It is brilliant. It's brilliant. I hate that I have to stop it. It's about an hour and a half long. It's worth every second. 
Um, gonna put it down there. But if we don't start this interview with uh, A.G. Landry now, we're gonna go too far over. So that's what I'm gonna do now. Um, Frank, if you want to go do some stretching, you got about 16 minutes. 16 minutes and 48 seconds. You ready? Here's my interview. So good morning, everyone. We are joined today by Attorney General of the great state of Louisiana, Jeff Landry. And and it's so awesome to have you here um, right on the heels of this hearing in the Fifth Circuit um, where the government is fighting free speech in America. So we'll just jump right into it. Give us your thoughts broadly on how you think this hearing on this temporary injunction went today. Look, I mean, it is unbelievable excuse me, Tracy, that the government continues to defend the violation of American citizens' free speech. When you break down this injunction at its core, this injunction really is just a reinstatement of the First Amendment. It just says, look, the government is absolutely, completely free to go out and to opine on things. So the White House press secretary can go out and Say, hey, look, we think that there are some things on social media that are not correct. We would urge Americans to take a look at that. Right? Very simple. Very simple. Nothing wrong with that. But they but they want more. They want the ability to go and say, you know what, we just don't like Tracy's opinion. And so please take her down because it doesn't align with our opinion. And I if mean, you don't, just- we will, you know, uh, file antitrust or we will th- we will we will punish you in some way <clears throat> that's correct no absolutely that's exactly correct I mean I mean you're exactly correct they they coerced the companies threatened the companies to basically do as they're told I mean because there were instances inside the discovery under which uh Facebook pushed back and said, no, this really doesn't violate our community standards. And the government basically said, well, you really need to readdress your community standards. Correct. Meaning, yeah. meaning, you know, kind of like the judge said, you know, kind of comparing it to the mob, you know, that, hey, you know, um, it would be ashamed if something happened to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you know? I mean, she made a great comparison. I think the federal government is very much like the mob. And she... Funny she, you said that. I said the same thing when she said that in court. I turned to Liz Muro, I said, listen to the general. I said, let me tell you, in today's world, it's pretty hard to see the distinction between the old mob and the new government. It's true. It's true. And, you know, another thing, you're talking about the record in this case, which clearly these appellate court justices knew. Um, and, and that's always a breath of fresh air to see. But you know who didn't seem to know the record very well, and in my opinion, did a very poor job arguing, was the government's attorney. What do you think about the misrepresentations he made in open court about the record in this case? Yeah, look, I figured, figured we were path to winning when I showed, I showed up and it was only one government lawyer. Okay. And then when he started speaking, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I understand. This is not... This is not the A-team. You know, um, I, I, look, I, look, I think that the Nose's position is weak. Uh, they're doing, you know, their, be- their best science to try to keep this, in- this, this injunction in place. Because they, 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 they admitted that they're, 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 they've, gone, they've gone right to colluding, colluding 
and coercing the social media platforms and forms. In fact, what you heard in open court today was that John, our assistant attorney general who argued today, he was platformed last week. Yes, he was censored off of YouTube in a discussion about this very case. And that came up a couple times today in the hearing that, you know, the judges asked those questions because the government is arguing with their very poor attorney. And I'm surprised about that because in the in the hearing for the injunction, they had everybody and their mother in there. So to to not send their best to this was kind of stunning to me. But they were they were arguing there's no future harm coming from this attorney general. They were saying there's they can't say there'll be anything happening in the future. And the ju- the justices on the on the court seem to push back against that. Well, yeah, I mean, what do what, what they expect to have a crystal ball and say, oh, COVID's could come in. The next pandemic will be next year. We need a, this injunction. Oh, by the way, you know, there's a third Hunter, Hunter Biden laptop uh, that might pop up, up. And so we this or second one. I mean, you know, that's right. it was so ridiculous, so splitive. <clears throat> Again, I thought, thought I thought his position was extremely weak. weak. I thought the, ju- the justices, the judges just asked some very good questions, um, um, you know, there continues to be this, this debate about standing. Uh, we think we meet, meet the criteria on a mu- on multitude of fronts. But I'm going to tell you, you know, I think it's high time that, that we take to high court this issue of state standing. I mean, look, the Constitution in its simplest form, in its fundamental form, is a contract, right? It's a contract between the people of this country, the American people, and the states. Those are the two parties to the contract. And so I know of no I know of no position in law under which either party in the contract doesn't have the right in standing to stand up and ensure that some of the provisions of the contract are enforced. <clears throat> and so, you know, this fact that the Supreme Court, well, you know, in some instances, states have standing and some they don't. Well, let me tell you, when there is a pure constitutional violation specific to the Constitution, Every state should be sovereign, because we do. They talk about it today. The states are sovereign. Well, are we sovereign? If we sovereign, then we should have standing. And yeah. so, you know, that's that's why I think this case is going to be interesting. Well, yeah, and I mean, the, the, the standing arguments that the government cited are nonsense and don't even apply. I mean, and you, your teams are just brilliant. I mean, you know, there's no... The, he, they know the record by heart. They can point to footnotes in Supreme Court cases. It was stunning the the you know the way this case was argued today and and the difference in in the two. And you want to know what I honestly think? I think it's because they don't have any defense to what they're doing. The only way they have a defense is if they misrepresent what they actually did. So what what was the most poignant question from a justice that that you thought you got today? That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> the question of are the states states actually harmed? I don't know if it it was the most it was the most was the most important question. The states actually being harmed, and 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 I think the articulation to that that and what easily brought out today, and I don't know if you I don't know if you picked is that look the first the first amendment text not only your speech you have a right to hear as well well. And so we, as elected officials, officials at the state level, use the social platforms as a way to gauge and understand what our constituents about, and the things that they things that they care, in order for us to adjust the adjust the public's 
that they they elect to enforce, right? Right? Or to base, or to uphold. Hold. And the question is, is in today's ways where complexity of the laws and the complexity of government, government, the ability to understand what's going on everyone everywhere, you have the internet and why the platforms platforms should be. So real quick, guys, we're going to hear a different uh, attorney general, Jeff Landry, on the phone because we had to change the way we were conducting this interview due to some tech difficulties. So I've got him directly on the telephone now because he's so steadfastly defending the First Amendment that nothing will stop us from completing this interview. So I appreciate your patience. Not even the government. Not, not even, even the government. Not even the government. So we had just finished talking about before this break. Um, the the argument that the the government, I'm sorry, that the states and people in general have the right to listen as a very important part of the First Amendment. If you want to continue talking about that briefly before the next question, that'd be great. Right. I mean, the ability to speak is also the ability to hear, right? So the right to speak should be the right to hear. And so Americans have a right to be able to hear that speech so that we can determine in our own senses, what the opinions are that we develop, right? That's the whole object of the First Amendment. Is I get a right to speak, and I, and also as a citizen, I get a right to go hear you in the public square. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that was pointed out in the court today. And so with and that's that that is the that, I guess that is the um, the severity of the violation of the First Amendment is that it muffles not only the speech, but the ability of Americans to engage in dialogue and debate, a, a very crucial fundamental part of a free society. And I mean, we can just go on and look through all the Federalist Papers and, and things that the founders said and the reason that the First Amendment became the first, you know, and so forth. And that's why I think this case is just so, so important and so monumental. I have to ask you this question. When you saw... Um, members of the EIP at a very high level filing a friend of the court brief on this appeal. What did you think to yourself? <laughs> um, I mean, it's not surprising, you know. Um, I mean, look, it's the, the, what's amazing to me about this is that it starts to show the level of control that, that some folks in this country want to have, right? The ability of them to want to move our citizens on their particular agenda. I mean, wouldn't you say that? A hundred percent. And it, it, you know what happens? It's like the Streisand effect that never works. That never works. And Facebook even pointed out that it doesn't work when they were responding to some of the the emails to, to censor vaccine-related content, even if it were true. They said this could have the opposite effect than what you guys are looking to accomplish. Well, right, and listen, cases like this just further discredit the government. If the government would just say, look, we're putting out information, and if they believe that information is so true and correct, then go out and stand on that hill and die on it. You should be able to debate that. But what happens is, is that when you put out information, like this is Russian election interference, the laptop is a hoax, and then you find out that the laptop was actually in the possession of the FBI, well, you lose your credibility. 
And once you start to lose that credibility in institutions that the American public have always relied on to protect them and to guide them, well, I mean, you know, people are like, well, I want to debate this myself, and they start questioning everything. Mm-hmm. So the way, to, the way to correct this is for the government to, number one, start telling the truth. Number one, they get on this. You know what? We're not going to do this anymore. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put that information out there. And if we think things on the Internet are not proper, this misinformation, malinformation, disinformation, we'll get our side. We'll tell our side. We'll let the other side debate it, too. Instead of saying, okay, we get to say whatever we want, and when you don't agree with us, we just muzzle you. And and that muzzling comes with a great cost, especially for people like me. Um, I've been absolutely muzzled, deplatformed, even debanked from payment processors so that I cannot conduct business based on the government's definition definition of what misinformation or malinformation is, which as one of the justices today in the hearing pointed out, what if the government is lying to the people on purpose? And that elicited a stuttering response from the government's attorney. Were you chuckling at all? Like if, if that were you and you were arguing on behalf of the government, what would you have said? I would have never argued on behalf of the government. (laughs) (laughs) You are awesome. (laughs) That is exactly the kind of attorney general that you want in your state. Move to Louisiana (laughs) forthwith, immediately. Move there. And I, you know, Uh, I don't know how they could stand up there and, and, and they all read. Did you notice that they all read? Well, well, Mr. Sauer does never has to read a thing there. The passion is evident behind all our cause versus theirs. And I'll say it freely because I'm not on the, on the side of censorship. Well, I mean, nobody should be on the side of censorship. That's the thing that amazes me about this case. I mean, I think this is a case under which everyone uh, who is actually a true American, right. Who believes in democracy and, 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 and a Republic form of government who, 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 under, who believes that, Hey, when you have a society where you get to debate in the marketplace of ideas, you don't end up having to fight it out in the streets which is what you find in third world countries. And so that's that that's why for me this is just such a huge huge case. When I first read the complaint in this case, I jumped on it immediately and I've been covering it diligently ever since because I could tell that there was something very very special about it and it was super serious. So let's pretend today that the, they go back and confer and they order that the stay um, will be permanent, that the temporary injunctions reversed. What's the next course of action for Louisiana? Well, I mean, we, I, I think we, I think our job is to continue to litigate the case, and if the judge finds um, them to be in violation of the constitutional, uh, the, uh, finds them as violating a citizens' first amendment rights, then then certainly that that becomes a more permanent type of injunction because then we go to our remedy phase, um, you know, and then we just, I mean, we just have to keep litigating it. So the government's already said if the, if the Fifth Circuit upholds the injunction, they're going to appeal it to the Supreme Court. Given what we've seen the Supreme Court say in prior decisions about the First Amendment and the Internet, do you think that they may uphold this? Do you think you have a good shot at the Supreme Court? Oh, I want my day at the Supreme Court <laughs> on this case. <laughs> if the government's smart, they're going to try to keep us out of the Supreme Court. Yeah, that's that's kind of the last place they want to end up, in my opinion, given, you know, even Justice Gorsuch has said Gorsuch has said some very clear things about about stuff of this nature. Well, well, I mean, I think I think the justices are starting to realize that some of the things even they were said, 
mm-hmm. have been found to be a, a false narrative. And so, you know, and, and it's th- going to be interesting. The core Maybe, of it. It'd be, it'd be Go ahead. No, it's just it's going to be interesting. That's why. That's why. Look, I'd love to get this case up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, so, it, look, if the government wants to grease the skids for us to get there, then by means, you know, I give them a, a good pat on the back and say, "Go get us, get us there, please." <laughs> I would love to see you arguing in front of the Supreme. Would you do it yourself or no? <laughs> oh well, it, well, you know, the, the sad part is I'm in the middle of running for governor of this state, uh, giving up probably one of the greatest jobs I've ever had. Um, but um, but I, I certainly want to be there. Fantastic. Awesome. Listen, I hope I can talk to you again. And I so appreciate your time and your patience. This is this is an honor for me to be able to speak to you. I hope that you're successful in your gubernatorial run as well, because the people of Louisiana could really use someone like you. I wish you were here in South Carolina. <laughs> I would vote for you in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, look, anybody that wants to join us, the followers, they go to JeffLandry.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Attorney General. I appreciate you. Okay, thank you. How awesome is that dude? He is so awesome. (laughs) I love him. (laughs) Yeah, I like him. I like him a lot. So honest, so right to the point. The accent thing, real quick before we end. Everybody was saying, like I was saying, he sounded like, at points, he sounds like he could be from Brooklyn. And so I asked where he was from, and apparently there's this thing where people, Cajun accents from New Orleans um, and Louisiana, sound Northeastern. Yes, I was stunned about that. I had no idea. You should. Uh, there's a there's a wonderful video uh, about the the origin of American accents, regional accents. Very short video. It's incredible. But uh, New Orleans is very close to sounding like until you can pick up the the nuances and, and the differences and all that. Very close to sounding like Brooklyn. I knew it. Called it. Just called it. Well, this was the show for today, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. You have been listening to the Dark Delight Podcast with Frankie Val on the drums and Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. Also, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time, streaming live on Rumble, Getter, and on Twitter. Make sure you check out Frank's show Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. on QuiteFrankly.tv, or you can catch him on Rumble. Have a great weekend. We will see you back here on Monday. Later.